0: Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode of A Contagious Smile. I am excited to have this gentleman with us. His name is Matt, and he is a certified professional ISM. What's an ISM?
1: Um, Intersochronic Mediation.
0: That's awesome. He's a mind coach and a sound therapist. I'm so excited because I had just told him off air that I have so many people that want to get into this, but they want to feel like they can trust the person. And I get that, especially being... That I do help men because they're survivors too, but most of the people I get to work with is women. And I know that they want to feel that comfortability if it was a man. And so, you know, I, I put you guys through the test to make sure, and then I will, you know, put you out there for everybody. So tell me what is an ISM? And by the way, thank you for being here. I'm a little rattled right now. I told him off air. I just probably did my most difficult interview. And so he's been a gracious gentleman. So tell me what an ISM is. And again, thank you for being here
1: you're welcome thank you for having me uh pleasure to be on the show and i know it's been a little while We've been trying to get on so i'm happy that we we're able to make this happen um so ism inter-synchronic mediation mind coach so essentially that's just a big word um for a term that essentially means bringing the uh two hemispheres of the brain into sync into uh synchronicity um neuroscience has uh has discovered for many years now that whenever we our right and left hemispheres of the brain are mostly in sync, um, we live a more healthier life, happier life. Um, we also give our bodies uh, and our minds, our brains, the ability to heal itself, um, to be able to overcome trauma, PTSD, deep-seated um, energetic blockages. So essentially just kind of working all together. Our, the body follows the mind. And so why I love... Um, what I do and why I'm so passionate about it is because whatever we think or feel is how we then physically manifest in our world first through our actions, our emotions, then dictate um, our pulse, our physical manifestations, whether it's sickness or happiness or whatever. And then we go out in the world and we uh, interact with the world based on, on that kind of follow through. And so anything and everything. And this might sound broad stroke, but it's literally the truth. Anything and everything can be uh, fixed, flushed, adjusted, um, healed, or um, recalibrated, uh, and the life can be completely changed when it all starts with the mind. So, um, in a in a big breath, there that's kind of what I do. And there's a lot of modalities um, sure, over the, the last many years that that are included in that.
0: What made you get into this, Matt?
1: Mm. so, um my own failures and frustrations uh, in my life is the short answer. And so, um back, I've been uh, a motivational person, kind of like a teacher, a coach for many years of my life. Um, back in twenty seventeen, uh, I had been plugging away at one of my businesses um, that was then eight and a half years old, and I started it right in the middle of the two thousand seven two thousand eight um, crash, uh, the you know the huge economy crash. Right. And whenever I started that business. Then I had uh, literally like 60 bucks to my name. I had to pawn some things in order to make, buy business cards and I had to borrow money and do all that stuff. But my goal was, is 10 years. So it was 2009 or 2019, 10 years, I was going to have a million dollar business. That was my goal. And I said, I'm either going to have a million dollar business or I'm going to live under a bridge in a cardboard box. There's no in between. And So in 2017, late 2017, I remember pulling up to uh, my office that I was renting. And for whatever reason, I was looking at my phone and I realized that I was coming up on the eight and a half year anniversary from the time I started. And this was in June and it was coming up on June 9th. And uh, the realization of that immediately sent me into an emotional breakdown and spiral because whenever I realized that and I looked at where I was, I was only making like forty some thousand dollars a year. And I was nowhere near the million dollar goal that I had set myself eight and a half years earlier. And my business had gone up and good and then had plummeted and it' go up and down. And it was all of these peaks and valleys across that that whole eight and a half year time. And I realized how close I was to this goal and how serious I was uh, when I first started out to set it. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to be able to make up for so much lost time in just a, you know a year and a half. Right. And so I literally wept in my car. I just started crying and I was beating myself up and I was so upset. And then what naturally happens when you kind of go through this, this grief is then you start blaming people. So I started blaming everybody in my life, you know, like, well, why, why isn't this happening? So I was blaming my marriage. I was blaming my friends. I was blaming my business partners. I was blaming my clients cause they didn't want to pay enough. And I was blaming everybody. And whenever I was done blaming and I like to talk to myself a lot. So if, if, if there was anybody that was around, they'd be like, this guy is going crazy. Cause I'm like literally talking to myself in my car. Um, but there was, once everything kind of quietened, quietened down, there was this little voice in the back of my head because I kept asking why, 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 like eight and a half years. And and there was nothing wrong with the business. The business was a great business. Everything was, you know, come together minus a little, few little tweaks. There was really no reason to say that this is why we hadn't come there. And this little voice in the back of my head said, you are the reason why you're not where you need to be. and. That completely changed my outlook on everything. And it was like this light bulb on in the back of my head said, wait a second. If I'm the problem, then I can fix me. I have control over me. I can fix me. And uh, because while I wasn't uh, a certified mindset coach at that point, I had done lots of studying in mindset and how it worked. And I had um, uh, lots of uh, mentors like Tony Robbins and Bob Proctor and all of those that I just, I loved Um, Napoleon Hill, think and grow rich, the books that I've read all the time, many times. And all of a sudden, all of that began to make sense. I said, wait a second. I'm the reason it's not anybody else. It's me. So then I became fanatical about finding out what is it inside of me that is holding me back because it's obviously not something I see on a day-to-day basis or I'm aware of because I'm thinking I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm hustling hard. I'm working (laughs) 50, 60, sometimes 80 hours a week. I'm doing all the things that I need to do. I'm being aggressive with my business, all the stuff that this hustle culture has you know programmed into me for all of these years. I've been an entrepreneur since I'm 16, I'm 43 now. And so all of that obviously wasn't working. And so I started diving into mindset and then I started realizing, I was like, wait a second, limiting beliefs, old programming. And whenever I started to think about that, I immediately began to think about my, what I call my past life. And so I have a life from the time I was born up till the age of 27. And then from 27 on is kind of like my new life. And the reason why that changed at 27 is because I was born and raised in, um, in a religious cult. And my life was, it, I mean, we were like back country in, you know, backwoods in Florida, um, super strict, lived in a bubble. I wasn't allowed to have friends outside of that uh that church I wasn't allowed to do anything with everybody so my whole world was that that bubble
0: mm-hmm. and
1: everything i was taught about the world outside of it was that everybody is you know bad they're want to cheat you they're cheaters liars stealers anybody who's made a lot of money um has obviously gotten it bad and they're not god fearing god loving people that kind of a thing so in 27 i realized after Um, living in New York for a couple of years, I realized like, wait a second, the world isn't as bad as I was told. And this doesn't begin to align with me anymore. And so I broke free from that. Good for you. Well, what was really (laughs) challenging about that was, is that I lost my family, my friends, everybody, because the, the whole world that I had was part of that. And so if I was to leave, then I was to my 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 parents and my brothers and my friends were like, well, hey, we don't want nothing to do with you because you're going to be one of them, and and that's exactly what happened. So to this
0: day, it's still that way.
1: To this day, there there is uh, I probably talk with my parents once or twice a year, um, and there is that kind of we've done our healing. I've done my forgiving, um, and you know I meet them where they're at. Uh, but it took it took about ten years to probably twelve years to get to that point. So that created a lot of trauma. And and I would make, I I joke and I say, I I used to make these posts on social media. I'll never forget my past, but that's not where I'm going. Uh, You know, essentially saying that I'm moving ahead, which is great. But at the same time, I was suppressing everything that happened from 27 all the way back my childhood. And the reason why that was important was because all of that programming that I had received, that every human receives from the time they're born up to the age of 13, actually. All of that programming, which is environmental programming, the things we hear our parents say all the time, our brothers, our siblings, our teachers, our, aunt, our uncle, all those people that we spend most of the time with, all the stuff we hear on TV, all of that becomes part of our, what I call our baseline programming. So that becomes part of our subconscious and then a deeper layer, our unconscious programming. And so for me, all of the keys that were um, all of the keys I needed to realize that were keeping me from achieving my goal in my mid-30s lied in those areas of suppression. And so I had to go back and begin to uncover, well, okay, well, what was it? What, what are these things? What, what am I not achieving now? And how does that have to do? What does that have to do with things that I was taught and I learned? And that took a lot of bravery. I really didn't want to do that. Um, there was a friend that actually helped that we would have weekly calls and she would walk me through these things and we would talk and about them. So I had a lot of epiphanies. The biggest one was is that I was always told either by my parents or when you would go to the church. We went to church three, sometimes four times a week, and they'd scream it from the 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 pulpit and they would say, um, uh uh the uh gosh, what is it? There's a couple of them. So one of them is, um, and it's great that I can't remember them because I've kind of like they're no longer part of my memory anymore. Um, as long as you have food on the table and a roof over your head and a shirt on your back, you should not want for more. And then they would say, um, money is the root of all evil. Uh, and then there was another one where they would say it's easier for um a camel to fit through the needle of an eye than a rich man to enter the the gates of heaven. And so those were the things that were my base programming and how that aligned with where I was is because consciously I had these goals to attain a lot of money because I knew that money wasn't bad. I had enough people that were friends that were philanthropists that did good with their money to where I'm like, okay, rich people aren't bad. Not all rich people. Sure. There are some out there, but not all rich people are bad. I see, I see a lot of good that's being done with the money, but in my thirties and late thirties, that was my conscious mind so that was a conscious belief system that i was i was um bringing into my life however i wasn't updating my old programming my subconscious belief system and so what happens is is so and i and i like to use this example because i think a lot of people go through this right because um you know religion is 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 a very large and, and the bible is a very large part of of you know united states culture and so everybody's heard those things at one point or another. So what happens is, is in your older your years, if you're like, well, I want to make a lot of money because I want to do good for my family. I want to set my children up. I want to give. I want to um, you know, donate to a lot of places because I believe in the work that they're doing. You consciously want to do that. But subconsciously, if you were always told at a child that you should never strive for more, um, that you should never strive after riches. Then what happens is that every time consciously you try to go and attain those quote unquote riches or that abundance, subconsciously you begin to self-sabotage. So what does self-sabotage look like? Well, self-sabotage looks different for a lot of people. Some people forget, they actually literally get distracted. They'll forget the things that they're doing. Um, Sometimes they have a debilitating fear. Um, I've had clients that will literally get sick when it's time for them to go to a meeting or if they have like a big event or whatever that's supposed to help take their business to the next level they will come down with a virus a cold a sickness and the 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 the, the amazing thing is every time i share that with i always get the reaction like you do and the amazing thing is is that what we as uh you know normal people forget or maybe we're never taught because they sure didn't teach me this in school, is is that our subconscious and unconscious mechanisms operate 95% of all of the functions in our body. And that also includes the uh, 68,000 give or take thoughts, emotions, and feelings that we have every single day. So if our old programming is based on I just need enough to get by. I don't need anything fancy because that means that I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, uh, a quote unquote God loving person. Um, I, uh, I should, you know, rich people are bad, or and the only way they got their money is through bad things, and I don't want to be rich. If that's that old programming we got when we were two, three, five, six, seven, even thirteen, then what happens is is that that is not aligning. We haven't updated that programming, and so then. Our The same subconscious system that has those beliefs affects our heartbeat. It affects our bowel movements. It affects uh, how many times we blink our eyes. It affects all of those things. So tying this back, whenever I came to that realization and I dove back and I made a list, it was a many page list of all of these things. Like, wow, these were all my old belief systems. These were the things that I was taught, you know, like consistently for 27 years of my life. And so then I began to essentially kind of reframe them, what I call decode them or debug them. And when you pull something out of your programming, you have to replace it with something else. And so when I began this process, so remember, I was around $47,000 a year, something like that, after being in business for eight, eight and a half years. And I had no savings. Um, also to add to that, my second marriage where I'm, I'm currently still married. Uh, but at that point, we were on the brink of a divorce. Um, so the, my whole life was kind of in shambles. And I felt like a huge piece of you know, crap. Fast forward 18 months later, whenever I was doing my taxes, I had gotten in the groove of this mindset recalibration or reconditioning, I like to call it. And I just stayed focused on that. And I would focus on that every single day. And I would uh, uncover new things and replace and uncover new things and replace and uncover. I would do my own self-hypnosis. Um, I, I would go to NLP practitioners. And of course, through that time, I started getting some of my certifications. Well, when I was doing my taxes, 18 months later, and I started looking at everything, I was like, "Holy crap!" So I went and I ordered a valuation for the business, and the business was worth one point three million dollars. Good for you. And so I don't say that to to brag. No, I say that to share. And not only that, my marriage hit a huge turnaround, and since then we've just been on the up and up. Since then, and I changed everything in my life, and not only that. The friends that I had in my life were better quality were more supportive. My whole world and environment around me changed. Um, We had bought our first house together, which we wouldn't have been able to afford then. And, And I really didn't pay attention to things as they were happening because I was just immersing myself in the work that I needed to do day by day. And so whenever I had that realization, I realized how powerful it was. I was like, "Whoa, wait a second! (gasps) This is amazing!" And then I started sitting down with my wife, and we started reflecting. And we're like, "Yeah, you know, like, yeah, that's about when we were you asked for a divorce, and we were going through the paperwork, and like you barely didn't have any money. And now look at us now. We started doing all these things, and the only thing that I can attribute to that is because I began to work on myself, on my mind, on the programming that operates ninety five percent of the day." in the background, which most of us are unaware of. And the reason why we're unaware of it is because it's just an efficiency thing. It's easier for us to go, you know, how many times you have to learn to ride the bike uh, before you're actually looking down and looking at the pedals and balancing, right? It takes too much energy. And so that's how we go through our whole life that way. And so then um, by that point, I had had two certifications really just so that way I could you know, really learn it. Because once I dive into something, I want to understand it. And then I said, well, you know what? I need to start showing people how to do this. I need to start showing people how to do the same thing, how to change their whole life around, how to change their success, breakthrough challenges. Um, And then that started going into the, uh, because I had to do a lot of shadow work, what we call shadow work, trauma work, Uh, PTSD, um, because I had a lot of, there were some uh, events that happened in my childhood, um, uh, 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 sexual misconduct that had happened to me that I had to go through as well. And so what was amazing about that was, is that I was able to take myself through this also with the help of others that helped me through these things and learn it with the intent of teaching other people. And so now in you know I went full time in tw- in the middle of 2020 um as a as a, uh, a mindset coach helping people and I used to work with um only entrepreneurs and business owners but now I work with everybody I work with anybody who needs it um and in 20 at the end of 2020 I started really diving in to sound therapy and because I started to whenever you go into reprogram the subconscious mind when we're dealing with hypnosis or NLP or any, or even um, some transcendental meditation, what happens is we have to get into a certain frequency of the brain in order to be able to access the subconscious mind. And in order to do that, um, we have to essentially tune in to a different frequency of the brain, which goes back to the ISM synchronizing the the hemispheres into either an alpha or a theta state. And so I knew a lot about it, um, but I wasn't creating my own frequencies then. And so whenever I started to, I said, you know what? I wanna do some deeper work. I wanna, you know, cause it's levels. You're always working on yourself. You're gonna hit a plateau and then you're gonna be like, okay, well, what's the next thing? And so I was at that next level and I said, well, I really want to start doing much deeper work with sound therapy. I really start one to get into um, what I call uh, sleep hypnosis, is when you start to reprogram your brain and your mind while you're sleeping through eight hours, six, seven, eight hours a night, every night. So it's kind of like an autopilot. Well, rather than creating them for myself, I said, well, there's got to be an app out there, you know, that somebody's already doing this. And so I found an app and, um, After about six months, about four four and a half months, I think it was five months, I started notice a a degradation, in actually, like I started notice uh, noticing um, uh, more self sabotage, procrastination, because procrastination was a big thing that I started uh, to notice. Earlier on, that was my way of getting away from doing what I needed to do. I would put it off. I would put it off. And then I'd be like, well, I'm really good at last minute pulling it through, you know. And sometimes I would and sometimes I wouldn't like a lot of us do. So I started noticing that I was procrastinating again. And something told me that, hey, you know what? You really don't know what the subliminal messages are that are playing into your ears eight hours a night through this app. And then something else told me, it sounds a little extreme, but this is really the genesis of Isosync Labs, which I created. Something else told me that I needed to investigate the company that was creating these apps. There were two apps on the market. Um, And so I hired a forensic uh, uh, investigator, uh, a corporate investigator. And I said, um, hey, there's these two apps that I'm using. And I want you to trace as far back as you can. And I'll find out who's behind these. So about a month and a half later, I got the results. And um I'm not allowed to mention any names. Sure, uh, of course. But essentially, these two apps were owned, are owned under a shell company here in the United States. And that shell company is owned under another shell company that's located in China. And the two people that manage and own that shell company have very close ties to the Chinese government.
0: Oh. <gasps> No way.
1: That's exactly what I said whenever I saw the research. Wow. And yeah. And I wish I could share this, but my lawyers told me that I could be sued for defamation and nope, stuff like that. Nope, you won't that. ask. Um, But what that then told me was, is like, wait a second. First question was, why does any government want to know anything to do with subconscious reprogramming? that took me down a rabbit hole, which we don't have time to go into right now, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but I'm sure you guys could fill in the blanks there. Sure. Um, The second one was, is that, so you mean to tell me that between six and eight hours every single night for the past four and a half, five months, I've essentially been giving my access to my subconscious mind to the Chinese government or under the influence of the Chinese government. And that's exactly what was happening. And so what that did was, Um, it, I said, Well, look, then I can't trust anything out there. What I found shortly after was an expose, um, on Vice Magazine that they did, um, for YouTube channels that create subliminal messages. And so they first started it because they thought it was interesting.
0: I'm still dumbfounded,
1: you know, like, oh subliminal messaging, change your eye color, grow an extra inch, uh, change, you know, all these things, right. That were crazy. And so they thought it would be an interesting and that I can share. They thought it would be an interesting article. What they found was, is that a lot of the people that were listening to these were having thoughts of killing themselves or killing other people or, or doing these horrible things. And whenever they finally got to a couple of the owners of this, Some of them didn't want to, they shut down their YouTube and ran. And this other woman or young lady was like, well, I'm trying to get people together for my, for my movement. And, and, and she's, she said something along the lines of, um, I don't care if you think I'm controlling people. Uh, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do along those lines. And it was a vice magazine and I can share the link if you want to share it in the show notes. Um, but what that told me was, is that, Okay. I need to know how to do this myself. And so then began my sound therapy uh, certification and how to create, learning about frequencies, creating frequencies, the kind of frequencies that can access the subconscious mind, brainwave entrainment, all of that stuff. And so I've been creating my own and I launched Isosync Labs um, at the end of uh, 2020. It was actually, it was January of 2021. And uh, that's what I mostly, Um, kind of help and guide people to now, because through sound frequencies, we can get the best sleep ever without any drugs, um, pills, melatonin pills, anything like that. Um, um, I've been able to help hundreds of people um, with uh, symptoms of PTSD, autism. I trained myself out of ADD um, by using tones. You can access the flow state, um, which is coveted for high achievers, um, and anybody, if you, everybody's entered the flow state. Um, but when you really understand what it is, it's this magical, um, state where you get so much done, you lose track of time and the world around you seems to not exist because you're so immersed. And what research and neuroscience has found is that there's an actual frequency tied to that in the alpha range. And it's 9.1 Hertz, um, And so whenever you know how to create brainwave entrainment frequencies, you can actually entrain the brain to that frequency on demand. And the more you do it, you can enter it really quickly. And you can do this with anything. So the power of sound therapy and sound frequencies is so much more uh, than I ever thought it could be. And that is currently um, tied in with the other modalities that I've learned, NLP, um, uh, hypnotherapy, to be able to help people through kind of like what we were talking about in the beginning of trauma, um, releasing of trauma, um, very deep trauma, PTSD, um, uh, also doing some work with some Alzheimer's patients, um, neuropathy, a lot of things like that. And so that was a Can really Can I hire you? Uh sure. <laughs> that was a really <laughs> long winded answer, but that is why I do what I do and how I got to where I am now. Um, and uh
0: there you go. Well, because like we were talking about off air, um, you know, I do have a lot of survivors that that want to go and, and have something like this to try and help them. And, you know, I survived domestic violence. That's kind of how this whole thing started. And I've been doing this for 17 years. Um, I've had over a hundred surgeries to correct the abuse that was caused at the hands of my abuser. Mm-hmm. And so my daughter came early. I was pregnant when all this happened and My daughter came early and we lived in the hospital in the NICU for six months. She's had 34 surgeries. She is just my inspiration and gift. But whenever I had a surgery med, I always said, I can't take any medication. I won't take any pain meds because I have to be ready for my daughter. She was epileptic. We had seizures all the time until she got her tracheostomy placed. We were coding all the time in the hospital. So I always said, if it's not life-threatening, the surgery has to wait. Like, I, I can't do the surgery at this point in time. So I know that exacerbated my injuries more because I didn't take care of them on a timely basis. But as a parent, your child comes first. So like, I have 26 pieces of metal in my face. Both my jaws had to be replaced. So you can see like my scars all the way down on both sides. I have hearing aids because both of my eardrums were ruptured and shattered and they had to rebuild my inner ears. Um, so I have hearing aids because I'm deaf. And after 16 attempts, and all fi- uh, my fingers were screws, pins, plates. Um, I and I became neuro- um, I became paralyzed in my my left arm, and I ended up with four STEM router devices. And I ended up they did the uh, nerve conductive study, and everything kept saying the muscles are gone and everything else. I had um, complex regional pain syndrome, and they said you know, we're doing everything we can to save it. We're trying, we're trying, we're trying. And I mean, like I had the claw hand, even though they they did everything they could. And I ended up having to have an amputation. And so Mm -hmm. I have just, after all this time, finally threw in the towel and said, I can't keep doing this anymore. Like I always, I'm a big person, Matt, who believes in laughter. And so in every surgery, I try to make my team laugh before surgery. Like I go in bringing cookies for everybody. And one of my nurses was about to have a baby. So I get a big baby basket and stuff. So I would tell my hand and limb recovery surgeon, I'd be like, all right, I know it's time to get on my nerves. You're going to leave me in stitches. I get it, blah, blah, blah. So it was always about bringing together everybody for, you know, the laughter. Jaw replacement, shoulder replacement, you know, amputation. I never stayed overnight. I never took the first pain med ever. And I kept thinking if I did, where would I be now after 100 surgeries, you know, never took a single pain medication. I do not sleep. I work about 20 hours a day. I live to help others and pay it forward. And I, like I said to you um, earlier, you know, I have a memory. One of the things I've always been known for is my memory. I can remember the tiniest, tedious details of everything. And people are like, that is such a gift. No, it's not. You know, yes, I love the fact that I can remember everything with my daughter to the T. It's wonderful. But the trauma that I went to is so instilled and I can't block it. I wish I knew how. I really do. I mean, it took me 10 years to put my memoir out and it blew people's minds. The only thing changed in my memoir is geographics and names. Everything else is 1000% provable. Um, And I have all the evidence in the world to back it up. You could open up the book, go to page 210 and give me one line and I will tell you verbatim what it says because it's just the truth. There's there, there's no fluff, no nothing. I never read it after I wrote it. I wrote it done. You know, I apologize in the beginning for grammatical errors and that was the end of it. But I can't put a lot of this behind me. I mean, I, I know I'm on the the survivor thriver side, but it never completely goes away. There are parts of me that I wish I could heal. The one thing that I wish I could heal more than anything, I still hide behind my clothes um, from that time forward, like my husband now, who is my soulmate, he I dress from my wrist to my ankle, even in 100-degree weather. I do not show skin. This is the most you'll see Uh, because I hide behind my clothes, and I've realized it's because it's the one thing I can control. I have lots of scars from all my surgeries and from what he did. He stabbed me over a dozen times, so I have tons of those. And I cover them up because I – the kids are great. They'll ask me questions and I'll answer them and they're great and they love it. You know, I'll be like, I'm Captain Hook's sister or, you know, I'm Frankenstein's sister, but it's whatever that is. But the adults are horrific. They, They are so judgmental and they say the worst things. And I cover up because I don't want my daughter who also has scars to be so uncomfortable in her own skin because it's like you're living in your own hell. And I don't want her to ever have to experience that. But does part of me wish that I could put on a short sleeve t-shirt? I don't even own one. I, I would love when it's 100 degrees to put on a short sleeve t-shirt. I don't want to go around in hoochie mama shorts. I would like to wear blue jeans and a, t- a tank top or a t-shirt and feel like it's okay. I don't even know how. That's the one thing about me that I haven't healed because I've I've put everybody in front of me. I always have. And now that everybody's thriving and this is going where it's going and I'm helping others... I still haven't done that part for myself. And
1: mm.
0: what would you say to to someone who came to you with that situation?
1: Wow, um, my heart goes out to you.
0: Oh, thank you. So,
1: my the first thing that I would say, um, which is probably not the first thing you want to hear, is is that when we block traumatic experiences and memories in the back um there are a ton of um negative things that can come from that and and uh, uh multiple personality disorder is one of them and so what happens is is that um energy so let me kind of back up a little bit we we are energetic beings okay um science has proven that even down to the To the If you took an electron microscope and you put our finger under it, you would see nothing but light, light and energy, because everything is moving. And we are light. We're light bodies. They can actually measure the aura now. They can see the aura. Like we, you know, science has caught up to where mysticism was. So what is that? How is that relevant to what I'm talking about now? Well, when we experience anger or trauma we have different organs and different parts in our body that are um, tasked to process those energies. So anger um, is uh, a big one that we deal with and that lives in the liver. And so whenever that energy isn't transmuted, um, the energy has to go somewhere. So if the energy isn't released, if it isn't processed, and that's why I've used the term shadow work, I didn't coin it, Um, everybody's familiar with it, Um, is because in the deepest, darkest parts of our being, energetically and physically, um, our energetic aura actually comes out of the top of our head and goes out about six, seven feet on each side. And then it comes up underneath us and they can literally measure it today with scientific equipment. Our heart creates an electromagnetic field that spans um, sometimes up to 50 feet in either direction. It has the the, the biggest um, energetic field that, that we can measure. So, when we experience trauma whether it's mild trauma or heavy trauma or extreme trauma like what you went through this energy stays if when when we block um because that's really you know unfortunately you're not doing anything wrong because that's what you have to do to survive right you're not we're not taught how to deal with this energy and transmute this energy and work it out of our bodies. We're taught we block it and we move on, right? Moving forward, not going back. Well, the problem is, is the first rule of thermodynamics is energy cannot be created or destroyed, only transferred. So whatever energy that is locked within us it can then, if it's low vibrational, dense energy, which is what fear and anger and hate and disgust are, those are very low vibrational, very dense energies that can then begin to metastasize and turn into physical ailments. Cancer is usually one of the first ones, um, but then it can uh, usually happen through um. Uh, uh, misfunctioning of certain organs, um, or just general sickness. Some people being in such a low vibrational state, a lot of time they'll have a hard time sleeping, um, properly, or they'll, you know, if there's a cold coming around, they'll get it. If there's something that's happening, they get sick. Um, because what happens is, is that there's a large concentration of low dense energy that hasn't been released from our body. Because we're not talking about the mind. Now we're talking about the body. Anything that's older than about five to seven years um, happens, it it gets moved down into the body. So when we're not, when we don't work through that, right? When we don't transmute that energy, then it will eventually turn into more things that we have to, um, it'll come out some way. So kind of a long answer to say, um we don't want to block we want to transmute okay, okay. so in the ways that i like to do that is there's a few things that um that i do as an nlp practitioner um and it's and it's working with the energy centers so um are you familiar with the chakras our energy centers yes so we have actually 114 chakras in our whole energy body but we have seven main uh, energy centers it's funny i'm doing a series on my socials about this right now Um, so with our lower chakras, so the root, the sacral and the solar plexus, um, and the heart, um, all of those have different representations of how we represent ourselves. So like the root chakra that, um, processes, And deals with the energies of, you know, do we feel secure in our environment? Are we secure with who we are? Are we secure with what we do, what we look like? Or do we feel insecure? And the chakras are actually rotational um, energy masses. So they either rotate one way clockwise or counterclockwise the other way. And so on women, they rotate one way. On men, they rotate the other way. An imbalanced chakra actually is the rotation slows or it actually begins to reverse. And so when that happens, we begin to just feel misaligned. So if your root chakra is misaligned, you're not feeling very um, secure with yourself. You kind of feel like you're in fight or flight a lot. You just can't really get a grasp, a hold on life, right? And then as we move our way up, then we have... The um the, the sacral chakra. So the sacral chakra um has a lot to do with our creativity, um, our sexuality, um, our, our feelings of pleasure, how we experience pleasure in the world, do we allow ourselves to experience pleasure? And so when that is balanced or spinning the proper way. Um, then we we feel we're in touch with our sexuality. Maybe it's not overtly, but it's a good balanced. We, we feel good about ourselves. We feel confident. We feel more creative. We're engaging in more creative things, whatever that creative outlet is for that person. However, if it's misimbalanced, then all of those things um, we... Are not experiencing. So we're not feeling creative. We're not feeling in touch with our sexuality. Um, also, they can have uh from the sacral and the root down, they can have physical manifestations like um problems with the feet, problems with the legs, um, lower back pain, um, anything from like the lower um spinal uh, uh cords down. There can be pain in those areas, uh pinched um nerves. Uh, or the sciatica pain in those areas. So then we go up to the solar plexus and the solar plexus has a lot to do with our confidence, um, how we really show up in the world, how we shine our light. Um, But the one I really want to talk about is the heart. So to be really in balance, we have to be able to open up our heart. Our heart energy center has to be working properly because the heart energy center is actually in the middle. So we have our we have our root, we have our uh, sacral, our solar plexus, our heart. Then we have our throat. Then we have what's called our third eye, and then we have our crown chakra. So the heart is in the middle, and if the and if the heart isn't balanced properly, then we can either be way too much up in in our headspace energies, very analytical um extreme spiritual and I'm not talking religion I'm just talking like very just like airy out there and it's very hard to be grounded you know um I'm sure everybody listening probably knows someone like that where they're like they're never here they're just somewhere else mm-hmm. um or if you're blocked below the heart you're just very much in the density of this world and you're you're just having your constant fight or flight fear scarcity mindset A lot of those things. It's very hard for you to just feel comfortable to just move about your space in your world feeling comfortable. So when we begin to work on the heart, the heart is where a lot of grief is stored. Um, Also from experience, because I've been going through my own challenges with asthma and healing that um, grief is stored in the lungs. And so that was one of the things that I had to learn and begin to process energetically because that's where my asthma, my adult onset asthma came, was from all the grief that I experienced as a kid. And it was finally caught up with me. And so um when we when we don't move the energy in a healthy way. So um what are some healthy ways? Um yoga, stretching, exercise, sound therapy, um, literally just listening to pleasant sounds. Um, what I do a lot of is, um, is, uh, I, I, uh, create what I call soundscapes and soundtracks for my clients. So kind of take you on a journey, but at the same time, there are these specific frequencies that are playing in the background that are then retuning and realigning your energy centers and also helping you to release energy at the same time. This isn't always pleasant. The reason being is because Whenever higher energies are induced into your body, the lower energies want to come out. So they they have to come out because when there's a higher density, when there's a higher vibrational force in your physical body, those lower ones can't exist. So they have to come out. So what happens and what I went through a lot is you'll just be like, I don't know why I'm crying or weeping, but I feel like I have to cry and weep. So you have to go through that. It's your body's grieving process. For some people, this happens a few times. For some people, this happens for weeks and months at a time. And it's just something that you have to just release and let and and go through. When we're talking about much deeper trauma, like what you obviously experienced, um, I like to be a lot more hands-on. And take uh, in in quotations hands on, meaning like one on one, and take you through processes, um, and of actually identifying where the pain is. There's visualization processes that also take you through, um, where you actually begin to pull that energy out yourself. And then once you've pulled it out, um, we I then take you through a process of transmuting that energy because remember, energy is energy; it can't be destroyed but we can change it from a dark color. And I always have them say, what does the color look like now? And it's usually like brown, dark, gray, charcoal, you know, just like disgusting after we get through the transformation process. What does the color look like now? It's usually like gold, blue, um, yellow, white, those kinds of things. And then we kind of just send it off. You know, we send it off into the universe. Some people are strong enough to take it back into their body. Um, and it's a very, I've taken myself through that process at least eight times over the last seven years um, at different times that I've, I've needed to go through. It's an extremely powerful process. And half the time I'll have one of my friends who's also an NLP practitioner take me through it. Um, and so to kind of answer your question, no two people are alike. So every every particular instance of what you held experienced rather in a time period will have its own set of, um, energy blockages we'll say. And so we'll deal with that and then we move on and then we deal with another one. And so what happens is we usually deal with the ones that are ready to surface first because our subconscious mind is our protector. Mm -hmm. And so our subconscious mind will say, Hey, we're going to block all of this for you because you're not ready to deal with that. And so there may you, it seems like you have a miraculous memory. However, there may be some things that you don't remember. And so your subconscious mind, we're not going to deal with those first because the subconscious is like, well, we got to deal with these first because this is like, this is not extreme. This is bad, but this is extreme. So let's deal with these first. So I always call it peeling back the onion. We, so the first few sessions, we'll be dealing with the things that come up that you're, you're like aware of. You're like, I want to deal with this. This is something that I'm dealing with on a daily basis. And I want to share this with your listeners. As you go through your day, your weeks, your months, if there is this one particular um, memory or experience that keeps coming up that you are just like, I don't know, like I, I can't deal with that that is what your subconscious wants you to deal with first. That's what's trying to get released first.
0: That makes sense. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so then when we do that and you feel better, then, you know, we circle back around, we see how you're doing and then we go lower. We set, we see what else is ready to come up. Um, But it is a process, you know, as I always say, even if, even if we're doing something as quote unquote simple as um, dealing with somebody's scarcity mindset, someone who's like, Oh I have to work super hard. Right. And, uh, you know, and then now we w- we're working on to where like, Hey, money just comes to me easily and effortlessly, even if we're, when we're working on something that simple, quote unquote, cause nothing's simple. Um, that is a process. We're going to deal with the, the onion layers, but when we're talking, and and what I always like like to tell people, cause this is the point that I was going to make with that is, is that, that programming you got for scarcity mindset, you got minimal 13 years of your life. So when, and and neuroscience epigenetics has also proven that when we are being born in our mother's womb, um, our subconscious is forming. And so as soon as we can start to hear and have senses, our subconscious is beginning to record. So um, I was dealing with a client that, um had actually a pretty decent life from the time she was born. But when she was in the womb, her dad was so afraid that she was gonna have down syndrome that she tried to. he tried to force the mother to abort. And so he was doing these different things. Like we can't have this baby cause it's gonna be a horrible baby. And so, but then whenever she was born and they realized that she was happy and healthy and fine, Like she really didn't have that bad of a life. So she's like, I don't know where all this trauma is coming from. When we really went back, it was all happening in the womb. And so that point is to share with people of that, even when we're in the womb, when we're getting born, you know, you can experience and start to begin on, uh, take on trauma like that. And so from the time you're in the mother's womb till the age of 13, when our brains begin to finally shift into beta mode, which means we're not learning. We're not just passively learning. Now mm-hmm. we're in control of what we're learning. It's You can't rewrite 13 years of programming in two weeks. Sure. You, know? you could do it in 66 days um, because neuroscience uh, has proven now, actually it was in 2021, 20, where a new study came out, a very aggressive study, where they were saying in 66 days, you're able to grow fully grown new neural pathways and the old ones begin to atrophy. And so that's really good because you can begin to have major um, success in 66 days. And it usually happens in 21 day cycles is how they've seen it. And that's where the whole thing, learn a habit in 21 days comes from, right? Um, So I don't know if that answered your question or I went off on a tangent. Did that help? (laughs) It did. It did
0: absolutely. So, how would you suggest to even begin? Like, what do you? All my questions, you're already answering. So I don't even have to ask them. You're doing so good without me. You don't even need me here.
1: That's that's a great question. Um. So I'll. I'll. Anybody who's listening, right? If you're like, well, where do I begin? What do I do? Mm -hmm. So the first and most important thing that I always coach my clients through is developing what's called meta-awareness. So meta-awareness or hyper-awareness, ultra-awareness, whatever you want to call it. Um, What that is, is that's developing the ability to observe your thoughts, your feelings, and emotions as they're happening. Okay. So, you know, we go through our day, like I talked about earlier on autopilot, you know, we'll as an NLP, what you learn a lot is triggers, right? And so triggers are environmental triggers. So like for instance, the kitchen is a trigger. You could walk into the kitchen because there's a pen in the in your drunk drawer, but you're going in to do that. And next thing you know, you're opening your fridge to get uh, you know some orange juice. Well, you didn't go in to get orange juice. You went in to get a pin. A pen, but that that uh, kitchen is a trigger that says when we walk in here, we normally eat or drink. So we need to be eating or drinking. And so that's and there's triggers all uh, throughout our house, all our environment, our cars, um, places we drive to, we go through. So when we develop meta awareness, meta awareness is simply just observing the actions you're going through through the day. Now, when I deal with, when I'm, I'm talking with people that are dealing with trauma, what I want them to start writing down, and this is what you guys can start doing now, if, if you want to kind of start to get ahead of these things that are happening is, is you get a journal, pad, paper, I highly, highly suggest there's a lot of metaphysical uh, reasons behind this, which I won't go into now, get a brand new one, a brand new journal or a brand new stack of paper and use a black pen. talking about frequencies, black um, actually has a frequency of definiteness, right? Mm -hmm. And so an energy transforms. We have our thoughts. We can measure our thoughts. With an encephalogram EEG machine, we can literally measure our thoughts. So when we have a thought and we start to write it down on paper, that is the first step to transforming energy, to transmuting energy, okay? okay? So there are some people that have done Extreme deep work, trauma work, just by journaling. But here's the key. You have to be aware of what you're going through, the feelings and emotions that you're experiencing. You have to be willing to be aware of where is this coming from? Why am I feeling this? Why did I watch this show and all of a sudden I got scared and I had to walk out of the room? Why was I listening to this podcast or this this uh, this song and I had to change it? Why is this person triggering me? Because they said what they said or they're dressed a certain way. So being aware of these things and saying, wait a second, oh, I'm being triggered. My pulse is racing. Why is my pulse racing? When you start to have conversations with yourself in your head, you will be amazed at how intelligent the responses are Uh, because we can literally, not figuratively, literally open up dialogue with our younger selves or our subconscious mind, and we will get a response. So, um, and again, this is also proven in science as well. I I talk about a lot of fringe stuff, mm-hmm. but why I love to talk about it so freely is because I've spent the last six years diving into the science behind it. And it's it's amazing because it helps people to understand for some people, um, they're like, oh, I'm not crazy. Like I literally have conversations with myself in my head and I thought I was schizophrenic. And we're like, well, you don't have any schizophrenic tendencies. You're just, you're talking to yourself. I do it all day, every day. I get great ideas. I solutionize all of these things. The best way, a little side, jaunt, and then I'm going to put a pin into what I was talking about earlier. The best way, if you if you find yourself coming up with any challenges in your life, any challenges at all, just before you go to sleep, ask yourself, how can I solve this challenge? fill in the blank. I am experiencing this. I can't seem to get over it. I can't seem to figure it out or this is coming up and I don't know what to do about it. How can I solve this? Do that just before you're falling asleep. And what you'll do is now you've given your, it's like your subconscious is like a dog with a bone. Mm -hmm. Now your subconscious is like, oh, well now we need to figure this out. And so what happens is, is that sometimes you'll wake up in the morning with a solution a lot of people wake up first thing in the morning with ideas and that's because we've been mulling on them for you know six, seven, eight hours at night while we're sleeping. And so we'll get that solution and then we can work out. Sometimes it takes a few days, a few nights. You keep, you keep at it. Your subconscious will present you with a solution. So going back, whenever we um, want to transmute this energy and open up conversations with our subconscious, it all starts with awareness. So we can ask ourselves... What are some of the things that I need to be aware of to begin helping myself heal this trauma? And you'll start seeing your, your, cause your body will start to tell you you'll get. So, so, so the next question I always get is like, well, how do I, how do I know what to look for? So these are the things you look for. You'll get phrases dropped in your mind. You'll get um, ideas of, of things that you could do, which will be pertained to the answer you're looking for. You'll get visions so you'll get like pictures images things that come into your mind sometimes you'll get songs so what happened with me not too long ago is there was this old song that kept looping in my head because i because i had this challenge i had this um this experience and the song kept looping in my head i'm like why is this song looping in my head and the as soon as i asked that the rest of the uh the the line came in and the answer was, you get what you give. And that doesn't mean a lot from a lot of people, but the, that was the exact answer that I was looking for for my solution. So um, can we put a pin on that? Somehow my wife locked herself out of the house and I have to go let her
0: in. No, no, it's absolutely fine. We're almost out of time, but I would love to okay. have you come back and do a part two with us. Would you consider doing that?
1: Absolutely. Can I run down really quick? It'll only take a second.
0: Yes. Yes. Let me no, no, it's fine. Sorry about that. <clears throat> no, it's fine.
1: So anyway, to put a pin in what I was talking about earlier, the 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 first and the quickest way to begin working through is through journaling. Being aware of the things, allowing yourself to begin to be aware of these things, and then start to write them down. And just that simple act of writing them down will begin this, this process of, of healing. So I just wanted to kind of share that to... Uh, to give people something where they can, that they can start with.
0: That is fantastic. I am just, I love all this information and I think it's great. And you literally answered every single question I had for you. Oh, good. (laughs) I mean, every single solitary one. So kudos to you. You didn't need me, Um, (laughs) but I would love to bring you back and have a part two to this. Tell me like what do you do if somebody comes to you and wants your services? Is it once a week? Is it, how do you, how do you do that? Is it per individual basis or?
1: Yeah. So um, yes, I am. I do take on clients. Uh, usually it's about a once a week or once every two weeks. Okay. Um, and, and it really kind of depends on the severity of the trauma that we're working on. Um, sometimes we can work through things a lot faster. Um, you know, usually when we're dealing with kind of like success things, um, where people are kind of, um, wanting to just kind of break through these higher levels that they've gotten to, that's usually on a weekly basis when we're dealing with, um, so like, for instance, I'm dealing with a couple, uh, clients now that are dealing with, um, depression, um, OCD, like really deep seated trauma. That's usually we'll have like a one to two hour session, Uh, once a week, and then I'll give them things to kind of work on. Um, and every time I work with a client, I always, uh, stay available in between those times through email or text message to kind of answer certain things. Um, but usually it's anywhere every other week or every week, that kind of a thing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, that's kind of how it works.
0: Do you have a website that gives more information about how to find you and like what your prices are?
1: Um, Yes. So my website is mattaponti.com. M-A-T-T-A-P isn't Paul O N is the Nancy T like Tom E like Edward.com. Now the packages and the pricing that I think are on there, that is for the entrepreneurial success uh programs and coaching packages. Um, what I do, and I'll just I'll just uh label my pricing right here because it's whenever I deal with people with trauma. And because I deal with a wide variety of people, Mm -hmm. I keep it very simple. Um, My uh, consultations are $45 for the consultation and then $75 to create the process that we're going to be going through. Um, And so with every single client that I work with, there's always a consultation that's about an hour. And then based on that, I create... Um, uh, tones, sleep tones, because as we're working and and I'm doing um once, whether it's once a week or once every other week, as we're working on these things, you're going to have a sleep tone that's going to help you sleep because the number one thing that can help everybody is having good, deep sleep. So I create a custom sleep tone. And then I also create Um, uh, subliminal messages that you'll be listening to while you sleep. And those are custom to you. The client actually is the one that records them. I help you create those. The client creates them, speaks them into a mic, and then I layer them underneath the track that you sleep with. And so you're essentially talking to yourself all night. um, And what you're saying depends on what it is that we need to work on. And it's a very, very powerful way um, to begin to, um, to to start working through. And then I usually, um, every, every uh, client is different. It's very custom, again, like what we're going to be working on. But I always give um, small little daily things that take sometimes 60 seconds, sometimes five minutes to do. And I keep them very simple um, to kind of make it to where it's like not an excuse because we'll... One of the things that we'll do is we'll be fighting ourselves through the way because our subconscious is is like, this is new. I want to keep you safe. We shouldn't be going through here. So I keep things very simple. Um, And then if there's any energy work that needs to be done, um, which usually there is, uh, then we kind of do that. I usually kind of like to do that only about once a month um, because there has to be an integration. uh, Once all of those things come out, And you're working on those, whether it's through visualization, or sometimes I'll be doing some breath work with the clients to help kind of move that energy. You need some time to kind of um, integrate these new things that came up or to kind of go around life being like, wait a second, I don't carry these things around anymore. So I don't do that very often, only about once a month with the clients. Um, And then we kind of, you know, move on. You know, through there, I don't keep anybody on contracts or do anything like that. the The reason why I try and make this so affordable is because, for me, this is why I'm here on this earth. This is the contribution that I am making to help, to help contribute to to Earth, to to let my light shine, to give my gifts, whatever it is you want to call it. And um, I, whenever I was younger, about eight years ago, there were some therapies that I wanted to go through but I could not afford them because they were thousands of dollars and it took me longer to get the healing that I needed because of that. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that I stand on is, is there has to be an exchange, you know, a monetary exchange, which keeps that good energetic flow going. Um, but aside from that, it has to be accessible because this isn't my gift. This is a gift that was given to me to give to other people. And so I try and make that as, as accessible as possible.
0: I have so enjoyed speaking with you today. I want to set up a part two with you uh, when you have that availability, I'm going to put everywhere that anybody can get a hold of you on our show notes. And I can't thank you enough for what you do and for being here with us.
1: Well, it's been a pleasure. And, uh, I hope that I was able to at least shed some light on some things for some of your viewers and and uh and, and maybe get some of them on their journey to to healing as well.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much, Matt. You're welcome.